Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we're talking again with Doug Hinderer, licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome, Doug. Hello, Catherine. How are you? Good, good. Um, for those of you who are hearing Doug for the first time, you can also listen to him on episodes one, five, and seven, where he shares insights into marriage there as well. But we brought him back this week to talk about how do you keep the love alive in your marriage, whether you've been married seven years, 17 years, or 47 years. Um, so Doug, tell uh, us. What's right. So, well, so, you know what, but this is a really big question, right? And the statistics are really bad. I mean, they're really scary, right? So we know that half of all marriages end in divorce. Okay. What about the half that don't get divorced? I mean, you know, what's their deal? And the sad truth is of the 50% of marriages that don't end in divorce, only about 25%, only a quarter of those will actually say they're happy. The rest are not happy, but they're staying married, you know, or they're, you know, they're just not too happy and they got good days and bad days, but that's miserable. So that would mean really of all of the couples getting married this year, about 15% will actually go on to have happy marriages throughout life. I mean, you know, and obviously marriages go through ebbs and flows, but still, I mean, that's a, that's a depressing statistic, right? So uh, how do we fix that? Right? How do we turn that around? How do we become part of that 15% that actually are going to go to have a, you know, be happy throughout their, their marriage, whether it's year one or year 51, how do they do that? And there's some very common things that, that they do. So that's, let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the easy answer is every day they work to keep their love alive. Oh, look, that's your answer. Podcast over. Um, no. No? Okay. We, we need a little bit more than that. How do we do okay. that? How do we work at this? Well, first, you got to figure out what love is, right? I mean, what is, what's love? And I, you know, a lot of times we get it confused with things that it really isn't. So, and I think for that, we could turn to our good friend, C.S. Lewis, who wrote a wonderful book called The Four Loves. And there, so there are actually four different types of love all four of which you need for a happy mm-hmm. marriage. And when I do my marriage discernment workshops with, you know, couples thinking about getting married, I say, listen, I, you've got to score at least, you know, 80% or higher on all four of these or walk away from this relationship. Do not go forward. So, and so the, the four, the, the four loves are philia, which is friendship, storge, which is, you know, a gentle caring, uh, eros, which is kind of the more infatuation, more the, the, the physical love. And then storge, which is the sacrificial love. All right. And so we need to we need to grow in all four of those each day. So let's just let's just dissect those and, and get into what those four are. So so the first one is philia, right? The love of friendship. Mm-hmm. Now there's two components to friendship. First is, you know, we enjoy some common interests. So we both like going for bike rides or walks, or we enjoy tennis, or we enjoy reading the kind of same kinds of books or whatever. And we have things in common. Now, you're not going to have everything in common, and that's good, too. You need your own interests. You need to be able to have some time apart, too. One thing that COVID has taught us is that even the best marriages, if you're together 24 hours a day, that's not a good thing. We need time apart to pursue our own interests. But in friendship, we enjoy doing some things together. And over time, especially when you have children, you know, the children occupy so much of your time and attention that we can kind of lose these connections. And so... Uh, sometimes you need this real conscious effort that says, you know, we're going to develop some common interests. What would you like to do? What would I like to do? Let's figure out some things we can do together. All right. So I think that's that's it. So that's the first part of friendship. But the second part of friendship is if I asked you, who's your best friend? Mm-hmm. Who is that? 
And how do you know that she's your best friend? Well, you would say, because I can tell that person anything and they're still going to be my friend. Okay. They've got my back. I am emotionally safe with that person. So I can open my heart up to that person and they're going to love me through it all, right? They're going to be there when I need them. And that's really important in marriage, this idea of emotional safety, right? So we really have to work hard to stay away from any kind of criticism or devaluing language, all right? So that my spouse feels safe with me. All right, so how do we go about developing that, right? So what's the how-to? What's the practical thing? Well, I think you start by, uh, you know, taking some reflective time. And make a list of everything you really like or appreciate or are thankful for in your spouse. What are all of that, the good qualities, the virtues that that person possesses, all right? And make a list. And it won't take long. You ought to be able to come up with 20 or 30 of those things. And if you put in more time, you can hit 50. Um, so now you got this list. What do you do with it? Well, you tell them. <laughs> you tell them, listen, I appreciate this about you. I love this about you. You know, we seem to have plenty of time in our day to point out the criticisms, what I don't like about you, but we forget to talk about what I do like. So here's a little, here's a little uh, hint. You go off to the drugstore, buy yourself a box of these, you know, these blank cards. You know, on the, on the cover, they've got hot air balloons or, you know, sailboats or something. And you open it up and it's blank on the inside. And you take one of these cards and on each one of those, you write one thing you really like about your spouse. And then, you know, a couple times a week, you leave it where they'll find it, you know, in front of the coffee pot or by the mirror in the bathroom or on the seat of his or her car. And they're going to open it up and they're going to start their day with this little love note. Mm -hmm. okay? And we'll talk more about what to do with this when we get to the end. We talk about the secret recipe for to sustain a, a marriage long term. But these little love notes uh, are a really powerful thing. And I think sending emojis is good. But when you take time to buy the card, write it out in hand and give somebody something they can touch, I think that really touches them at a deep level. And, you know, and I used to back when I was in a corporate, I used to have to travel a, a lot more than I wanted to. And, and uh uh, it was always a really sweet thing when I would get to the hotel and I'd unpack my suitcase and there'd be a card in there for my wife. Mm -hmm. You know, and that always, that, that always made the traveling a little bit less difficult for me. So, okay. So friendship, we've got to work hard every day on friendship. Then storge, which is this gentle caring. Another way to look at it is kindness, right? How kind do we treat each other? You know, when we get used to having each other around and when we get, you know, all the stresses of life and paying the bills and cooking the food and doing the laundry and changing diapers and carpooling and stuff, we sometimes we just don't treat our spouse as kindly as we should. Right? And this is a place where the book, you know, the uh, love languages could, could come in handy, right, to figure out how, what you can do that will make your spouse happy. How, you know, how you can treat them, right? Is it acts of service or is it words of affirmation or is it physical touch? Do they like getting hugged or whatever? What is it? How do they want to receive love? And figure that out and then do that, okay? And, 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 and do that often. That's first tip here for, for kindness. The second is little things are big. And the research that John Gottman and his wife, Julie, have done uh, reveals one of, the, one of the great insights is that really successful marriages spend, do little things really well. Mm. Okay? 
and often throughout the day. So little acts of kindness, okay, little little gifts of, of time and attention. And then I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were sitting down for dinner, and she had made a, a, a pot of stew. And we got this lazy Susan in the middle of the table, and she kind of spun it around so the stew pot was in front of her. She picked up her bowl, filled this, filled it up with the stew, and then handed me the, the bowl full of stew, and then took my empty one for herself. That, you know what? That's a little thing, but I'm still talking about it two weeks later because it was just, you know, that was a nice little act of kindness. And so people have successful long-term marriages, find ways to do these little acts of kindness all day long. All right. <clears throat> and the third thing I would say on this is the importance of eye contact. One of the other things that Gottman discovered that, uh, that when people are happily married, they spend a lot of time looking at each other. And he calls them, he says, during the day, we make these little acts of um, little acts of connect. He calls them bid for connection. So a little something we throw out, say or do, not because I want to get a conversation going, but I just haven't connected with you in a while. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to see your face. So it could be something like, hey, did you see the cardinal in the evergreen tree uh, this morning? Mm -hmm. mm, no. Well, and you don't want to get a conversation going about cardinals or evergreen trees. I just wanted to connect with you. And what Gottman found was that when we make these bids for connection, couples that turn and look at each other 90% of the time or more, almost none of them ever divorce. But couples 30% or less have a very high probability of divorce. Because, and why is that, right? It's, well, why do you look at somebody? And what do you convey when you look at somebody? You convey, you're important to me. I, I really want to engage with you, right? And so that one little factor of actually looking at each other, engaging in eye contact, eye contact is very predictive of the health of a marriage. That one little thing. So it's very powerful. Okay. So love languages, figure out how your spouse wants to be loved. Do that. Little things often. And then frequent eye contact whenever you're interacting with your spouse. That's how we grow, show caring and kindness. All right. All right. So on to Eros. And Eros, we're talking about infatuation here. You know, we're talking about, especially, in, in, well, in marriage, exclusively in marriage, this desire for physical union. And that's an important part of what marriage is all about. Um, and it can often get pushed, you know, to the side, especially when you got a bunch of kids running around, you got chaos and you're paying bills, you work a career, you got it, you're so busy that by the end of the night, you, you got no gas left in the tank. You know, you're just exhausted. And so oftentimes, this, you know, the, the what I love to refer to as the marital privilege is something that gets, you know, put in the, you know, it gets pushed aside and we get around to it once in a while. And that's not a, a good recipe for long term health in the marriage. And successful couples find a way to prioritize, you know, their 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 physical expression of affection. And sometimes you actually got to schedule it. I mean, it's OK to schedule it. In the calendar, you know, it's like, hey, this is, boom, we're getting a babysitter for the kids or whatever. Or we're sending them off to a movie. And, uh, but this this physical expression of love is is really, really important. And, and Eros is a very, it's it's a receiving love, okay? And um, Paul Benedict wrote about this very beautifully, that, that I love you because of how good you make me feel, okay? And especially in the context of the total gift of self. That's the glue that really holds couples together long term. And there's all kinds of scientific reasons for it. You know, during during the embrace, 
uh, your, your body elicits all kinds of pleasure chemicals, especially oxytocin, which is called, you know, the hugging uh, uh, chemical. And it's, it's like glue that holds a couple together. And so, so this, the physical expression of love within marriage is a really important thing. And it does, and it shouldn't get pushed aside. It should actually be prioritized. All right. Um, and, um, you know, and so I, I guess corollary to that, I mean, in addition to prioritizing that, I think it's important to, uh, you know, to take good care of, of, of your looks. Uh, you know, and as we get older, we tend to sometimes not take good care of ourselves. You know, guys end up with a, you know, 52 inch beer belly and, you know, you need to, you know, you need to take care of yourself. You need to stay physically attractive to your spouse. And I, uh, I've got a friend who, you know, at our age, but he grew a ponytail. He's kind of balding, but he's got this ponytail. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. And I asked him about it and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, my wife likes it. And you know what? Enough said. Perfect. Yep. You know, my wife likes the ponytail. I'm going to keep the ponytail. So, you know, that's the kind of thing, right? So let's stay physically attractive. Let's stay engaged and, and let's, let's prioritize that aspect of marital love as well. And then um, uh, storge, right? Which is, is sacrificial love. You mean agape. And that's the, agape. Yeah. Oh yeah. Agape. Sorry. Agape. Oh, Thank okay. you. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, Jesus is our role model for what agape love looks like, right? This total sacrificial dying for love of your spouse, right? And, and he's the bridegroom and, and we're the, the, the bride. His church is the bride. And so this is the way to think about this is the, the we is now more important than the me. I subordinate the me in favor of the we. And that's that's a big adjustment. Some people, you know, we got to overcome our selfishness and our pride and and uh, envy and those kinds of things. I came across the quote by a guy. Uh, I wish I'd have written down who said it so I could actually cite it. But but what he said is he said, "I want your life, your well-being, and your happiness to become my vocation and the way I serve God." Well, that, I think, really sums up what agape love is, right? I serve God by loving you, especially on those times when you're not too lovable. Yeah. You know, because, you know, because we're human and we're flawed. And, and uh, man, you know, um, and I, you know, I work with couples where maybe one of the spouses is dealing with some pretty serious, you know, mental illness, you know, uh, um, and they're not too lovable sometimes, you know, or they've got a lot of anxiety or a lot of worry or depression and they can't get out of bed. And, and the spouse is still there. The spouse is still loving them through that, even though by worldly standards, the marriage didn't score at too high points because it's, it's there's not a lot of joy and happiness because one person is just really struggling emotionally or psychologically. Uh, but their love is there. That sacrificial love is there. And it's such an inspiration to see really, you know, agape love, right? And, and, and serving God. There was another quote I came across where the guy said, listen, I spent the first 10 years of my life worried about my happiness and I was miserable. I spent the second 10 years focused on my wife's happiness and I became really happy. Sure. And I think that's the deal, right? If I don't worry about myself, I just worry about taking care of you. And if my wife is worrying about taking care of me, by golly, it's going to work pretty well. Mm -hmm. you know? So part of this thing is, is to avoid scorekeeping, right? Don't keep score. Well, hey, I did four nice things for you. I mean, I, you know, I gave you the 
the stew bowl and I gave it. You know, what did you do for me? You didn't cut me a piece of pie. So keep a score really bad goes against uh, agape love. Okay. But putting your spouse's happiness ahead of yours is really good. Which brings me to another point that Gottman discovered uh, is that happy marriages are well, one of the things that characterizes them is they accept influence from each other. Okay. They allow themselves to be influenced by each other. Especially predictive of happiness is when the husband allows his wife to influence him. Interesting. Okay. It is really, you know, but uh, when you think about it, it shouldn't be a surprise. God created Eve to be the helpmate to Adam, to be the helpmate. And so when we allow, when the husband says, help me, help me, wife, help me, influence me, I can accept your help and your guidance. Well, that kind of goes to the way God created it in the beginning, right? So I don't, it should be that big of a surprise, but, you know, we get prideful and we think we know better and, you know, and so we don't always want to accept uh, help from each other, but accepting influence is really, really important. Um, and which also brings, I think, to the virtue of docility, which is a very, docility, I think is an important part of what agape love is, okay? This docility that it doesn't have to be my way. I don't have to be the one in charge. Um, and I can really, you know, take a backseat to my spouse's happiness. Uh, and then last point here, I think, on sacrificial love, which we do not have time, but we'll do it in a, in a subsequent podcast, Katie, if it's okay with you, is, this, is, is the importance of forgiveness. Okay. Um, you, you, you cannot stay married for long if you can't practice forgiveness because we're too flawed. The person you married has got too many flaws. And those flaws, plus they've got their own interests, their own temperament, their own likes and dislikes. There's just so many differences. And those differences are going to cause conflict and, and get on earth sometimes. We've got to be able to figure it. So we'll, we'll go into a lot more detail on that uh, sure. in another podcast if you're good with that. Okay. That'd be great. All right. Um, so that's the deal. So, yeah, go ahead. One thing I was going to ask is, so, you know, going through these four loves, it seems to me like they kind of each build on each other, right? Like if you have a good sense of, you have a good friendship, a good foundation there, you have affection, you have friendship and affection, you then are probably going to have that Eros yeah. love and then, and then, and then the agape, the like total self gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, we know that a lot of marriages don't even have the friendship base. Yeah. Right. Anymore, yeah. right? That a lot of that has fallen away. So I wonder if you have any kind of tips or pointers to kind of how do we help redevelop a friendship or refine it? Because I a lot of couples talk about how like they've just grown apart. They just have yeah. completely different interests and just have like they've nothing in common anymore except maybe kids for some of them. So yeah, when yeah. you find yourself at that stage yeah. in your marriage, what can you do to kind of re reestablish a friendship? Yeah. So yeah. So that brings, uh, uh, well, uh, two thoughts, but it, the, the importance of fixing the problem before it gets to be too big, right? And when it comes to marital disharmony, it's a lot like cancer. Early detection means you can fix it probably pretty well. And if you wait till, you know, you're in stage four, sometimes it's too late, right? And, uh, you know, there's a part of the Gospels where I think it's the Pharisees asked Jesus if divorce is, is uh allowed. And he said, no. And they said, well, how come Moses allowed, you know, the man to issue a decree of divorce and dismiss his wife? And Christ said, well, because of the hardness of your hearts, uh, Moses allowed it. But from the beginning, it wasn't so. And he goes on to defend marriage. That phrase that our Lord said, hardness of heart. Okay. Every marriage I've worked with that hasn't made it, that has been the reason. 
that one of them, they've waited so long and so much pain that their heart is turned to stone and they can't get it back. And so if you feel your heart turning to stone, get help right away. There's great science out there. There's great research. I, I, marriage counseling is not, there's science behind it now. And there's a really high success rate for couples who get help early before their hardness of heart sets in. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is you've got to just commit to it. You've got to look at each other and say, you know, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live with you as a stranger. Let's really work on developing this friendship. Let's find some things that we want to do together and start doing that and go through the list. Well, how about bike running? How about swimming? How about the gym? And just go through all these things. Find something that, that rings a bell for both of you and then go start doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And start in a little ways. So. I think that makes total sense. And to your first point too, for those that are interested in kind of that idea of the hardness of heart, episode seven that we recorded together, how to know if your marriage needs therapy could be a good, a good place to start as well to good. figure yeah. out, right? Like, okay, are, is my marriage hitting that hardness of heart area and how can I detect it early? Like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. And there's no embarrassment in it. I mean, I, you know, I like to call myself a marriage coach. I don't like to call myself a therapist because, you know, who needs therapy? Well, I'm not only a sick person needs therapy, you know? Yeah. But everybody needs a coach. I mean, Tiger Woods has a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach. I mean, all great athletes have coaches and why not a coach for your marriage? So I do have couples. I had a couple came to me just a couple weeks ago and said, Hey, we would just kind of like to tune things up. And I haven't complete this survey online to get a look at what's going on inside the marriage. This couple almost scored perfect on the survey. I mean, there's almost nothing wrong with this marriage. And yet they're like, yeah, but you know what? We just, we want to keep it that way. We don't want to get lazy about it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And uh, so uh, don't, don't hesitate to get some help, really. Yeah, I love that. All right. So give us, give us the secret recipe that you have been teasing. Here uh, we go. Here we go. Secret recipe. I call it one, one, one is the secret recipe. Okay. 1% daily investment in the marriage. All right. So Katie, how's your math skills? What is 1%? What's 1% of a day? Uh, yeah, you know, an hour, that's not even <laughs> less than an hour. Well, you've got 24 hours in a day, Mostly 15 right? minutes. about 15 minutes. Exactly. So the strong recommendation I have for everybody, and I, uh, this is probably the most important thing that I'll say this, this uh, entire uh, podcast, invest 10 to 15 minutes every day, just the two of you. Knee to knee, nose to nose, face to face, eye contact, investing in the friendship and the kindness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is where you came up with that 20, 30, 40 things you really like about each other. Sit down in a room and say, I really love this about you. I love the fact that you, you love our kids so much. I love the fact that when we fall asleep at night, the last thing I hear is your voice telling me that you love me. Man, I like that about you. Please don't ever stop doing that, right? This is the time to affirm, to praise, to compliment. 10 to 15 minutes every single day. It's like The marriage is like a garden. You know, you plant your tomato plants in the spring. You come back in the fall. There's going to be some tomatoes there. Probably not that many because the weeds are going to take over. But if you go out every day and spend a few minutes, pull out a few weeds, water a little bit, put a little fertilizer, you're going to get a bumper crop of tomatoes, right? Well, that's what a marriage is. And so few people invest in it every single day. But the successful couples find time every day to connect for 10 to 15 minutes. 
and it's it's just connecting about why I love you, what I'm thankful for, what I appreciate about you. And it's this is where I really establish my emotional safety. Tell me what's going on in your heart. What's go? Are you, what are you afraid of? What's keeping you awake at night? Are you worried about any of our kids? What's the? Let's talk about this. Let's open your heart to me so I can hold it so gently and so tenderly for you. All right. So one percent daily investment. Now we can slip over to uh, Father Rocky's book on marriage insurance. Right. The next two points come directly from him. But it's one date night per week. Okay. Get out of the house. I don't care if you're an empty nester. Get out of the house. Go to some other place. One date night a week. Does not have to be some big expensive dinner at some fancy restaurant. It could be, you know, an ice cream cone or it could be just a walk in the park, but get out of the house. Now, most couples do the date night wrong. This is not about logistics. It's not about take out your calendar. Let's coordinate next week. And who's taking this kid to piano lessons and this one to soccer practice and who's taking my mother to the doctor. It's not about that. It's about why I love you. And now I'm going to spend two or three hours telling you how special you are and connecting with you at a very deep and personal level, okay? Not logistics. And Father Rocky in his book, he also talks about having a weekly business meeting. That's a good idea. That's not the date night, though. That's separate from the date night, okay? And then one weekend getaway per year, right? Get out of the house, go away for week, even if it's just one night. And it doesn't have to be some exotic island off the Mexico coast. I mean, it could be the Holiday Inn one suburb over. You know, it could be the holiday a mile away. If it's got a pool and a hot tub, you're good to go, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But just so you can say, yeah, we're going to carve out just a couple of days just to spoil each other, just to really spend time. And again, what do I appreciate? What do I love about you? Tell me what's going on in your life, right? So that's the the secret recipe, one, 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 one percent a day, one date night a week, one weekend getaway a year. And I think if you do that, Man, you're going to be in that rarefied air of couples who are happy throughout the, the, the length of their marriage. That's the that's the deal. I love it. I love it. And I think that's it doesn't sound that daunting when you think of it as, you know, the one, 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 right? One percent of your day. OK, 10 to 15 minutes. You can do that. Right. Yeah. And if it's, you know, right when your workday ends, whether you're working from home or whatever, and you just have that moment together or maybe it's lunch or whatever. And, you know, that yeah. kind of. Thing, making it very easy and even to your you know one date night a week that it doesn't have to be like some extravagant dinner and all that it could be holding hands and walking in the park or it could yeah. be you know something like that you know there's, there's one couple I, I knew and they had, they had these three small little girls and they had no money for babysitters and money was really tight and and they hadn't had a date night in a while and it was the middle of winter but the husband and he bought a couple of steaks and they set up a little card table in a spare bedroom and lit a candle and they got a bottle of wine and he grilled the steaks and baked some potatoes and they put a movie on for the for the, the little girls and they said, don't leave the TV. Don't leave the room. And they went upstairs to the, you know, and they closed the door and they had this nice little uh, you know steak dinner for, see, and he said it lasted about a half hour and then all of a sudden he heard the girls outside the door giggling and laughing and wanting to know what's going on in there. And, and um, so then the girls came in. But, you know, the date night lasted about a half an hour. Yeah. And they didn't even leave home for it. But they got their date night in and they found a way to make it happen. And so I think if you just put forth a little effort that you can get creative on how you can do this, you know. So and, you know, what if you've got young kids and well, 
you know, partner up with another couple that's got young kids and you watch their kids one Friday night and they watch yours another Friday night. And so you do the barter system. You don't have to spend money on babysitters or whatever. And so, I mean, there's ways to make this thing work. It is worth the investment because the worst thing, you know, the divorce rate ticks up in the 60s because, you know, you're done raising the kids all of a sudden you're an empty nester and you look at each other like, man, I don't know anything about you. And what I do know, I'm not even sure I like. Right. But I still I'm still going to live another 25, 30 years. I'm feeling pretty good. I don't want to go through with you. So I'm going to get rid of you and go find somebody else. You don't want to get to that point where all of a sudden the kids are gone and you're living with a stranger now. Right. So invest every single day in that. And that won't happen. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, that was excellent. Any last tidbits you want to share before we sign off on this episode? It is worth the effort. Your marriage is worth the effort. And it is. It is your path to get to heaven. Don't, you know, don't take it for granted. You know, make it work and, and uh, you know, you'll have the kind of life that God intended. So thanks for having me on, Katie. I really enjoy being able to share these ideas with, with you and with the folks that listen to your podcast. Always. We love it. Um, and yeah. And stay tuned for the episode on forgiveness that we'll also record. Um, and you'll, it'll be on a couple of weeks, hopefully. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org to learn more about our project. And we'd also love for you to share this episode so others can learn from us.